Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a mental health platform that provides direct online counseling and therapy services via web or phone text communication. You don't even need to use flu powder in order to access a therapist through BetterHelp. I think we can all tell in book five that if you keep your feelings bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off of your chest if you don't have access to Dumbledore's office. I know in my life, therapy has helped me identify patterns to help me interrupt ones that I don't feel like are healthy and find better ways to cope. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash sacred text today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash sacred text. Hi there, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text podcast team. Hi, Casper, Vanessa, and Ariana. Hey, Vanessa. Hey, Casper. Hey, Casper and Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa and Casper. I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And I'm Stephanie Paulsell. And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, a special Owl Post edition. So we are very lucky this week to be joined by our seasonal special guest, Stephanie Paulsell, friend, mentor, love of my life. Casper can't be with us in the studio, and we thought we would just improve upon him and welcome Stephanie instead. So hi, Stephanie. Hi, Vanessa. So this is a special edition because we did an episode on forgiveness a couple of months ago now, and we just got an onslaught of really thoughtful, beautiful voicemails. Mm. And it reminded us very much of feedback that we still get in response to the very first video we made, which is, Can You Forgive Petunia Dursley? And the feedback that we get tends to be a real concern over the idea of forgiving a child abuser. So, Stephanie, not to put you on the spot, but would you forgive Petunia Dursley? How would you make sense of that question? That's such a good question. What would it mean to forgive Petunia Dursley? I guess the worry is that if we forgive somebody who's done something really bad, we may be open a space for them to do it again. And what we want is for Petunia Dursley to stop abusing Harry Potter, to open a space in her home and and protect him as she does her own child. And forgiveness, I'm not ever really sure what forgiveness actually is, because it feels like on one level, like some kind of switch that you flip inside of you 
It's a decision you make. It's something you do in your mind. Vanessa, I forgive you for something, not bringing the jelly beans to my party. But I think forgiveness probably isn't that. It's probably a practice that we do over long periods of time, a practice that we go back and forth on and move forward a little bit and backward a little bit. And I'm not sure it's something that we can work out intellectually in our minds and then go forth transformed in our relationship with Petunia Dursley. I love that idea that maybe Harry is forgiving of Petunia in a moment in which like the pudding falls because of Dobby and then in a moment where she's like threatening to hit him there's a shutting down that happens where it's like nope you're just a monster right and maybe latching on in moments of empathy trying to choose to forgive in those moments right can be healing for ourselves right I know I think when we think about forgiveness, we often go to the most extreme examples we can think of. But I think, I don't know, when I think about forgiveness, I think about, you know, long marriages where you just inevitably hurt each other. And it's not like, I mean, sometimes there are big hurts that you have to, you know, really work at forgiving or you have to work together at at coming to terms with. But mostly it's just a, you know, a daily series of little hurts over a long period of time. And, And their forgiveness, I think, is not just deciding in your mind that you're going to forgive the other person. It's, it's just a daily leaving open the possibility that that it's going to be okay and that you're going to heal each other's hurts and that you will live with the possibility of forgiveness always being there on both sides. Um, That's the kind of forgiveness I think most of us are involved in all the time, every day, in our relationships. And their forgiveness seems like more like, I don't know, an open space, a way of of leaving the door open for change. And I think that's, I don't know, to me that's a, that's a good way to think about forgiveness, um, opening a space for change. Yeah, I think it's really interesting in part because I feel like what you were talking about is having constant faith in the other person yeah. and in yourself to like surprise each other that somebody can make it up to you through like a good hug the next right. day that you right. weren't expecting or I mean faith in yourself that you will move on and that you can heal from these small hurts. Right. And that things can be otherwise, that we're not stuck in these patterns of hurt, that the possibility of of things being otherwise is there if we're able and willing to imagine forgiving each other. Do you think that there are ever situations in which forgiveness is not the right strategy? Certainly in abusive relationships, right? It can be about forgiving the other person but still removing yourself. Right. Saying, I forgive you, but I still hold you accountable for your actions. You know, in more pedestrian or more common hurts, you know, the friend who, like, It's just constantly disappointing you little by little. And it's been like years since they've done something nice or a brother or sister. Or it's like, at what point do you remove yourself from these situations and say, like, I'm tired of forgiving you? You know, it just feels like capitulating. Mm -hmm. I guess I think forgiveness just is very embodied and very specific. So for Harry, 
If Harry wants to forgive Petunia Dursley along the way, then that's Harry working out his relationship with his aunt. You know, there may be some things for which he forgives her and some things for which he just won't. Because what she's done is wrong and she's not sorry and they haven't been able to enter that space where anything could happen. But what does that have to do with us forgiving Petunia Dursley? Um, that's a real life question for me. Right. I think that if we could like retitle the video, it would be like, can you empathize with mm-hmm. Petunia Dursley? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, can you understand that this is located right. possibly in a particular place right. and still not think that her actions are okay? Right. Right. I mean, because the onus isn't on Harry, but like what would happen if he grabbed her by the wrist one day and was like, I want to forgive you. Can right. we go on a walk? Right. And he's a child, so it's not on him. And he's scared of her. But there's part of me that wants to imagine that there's a possibility for a relationship between yeah. the two of them. Yeah. yeah. That because of the dynamic never gets shaken out. Right. Like, they're blood relatives. She's his mom's sister, and they're living in the same house, and they live there as oppressor and oppressed. And so if Petunia forgave Harry for messing up her life, right, as she sees it potentially, and how could both of their lives be better? Right. You know, in the Gospels, Jesus says you have to forgive not just seven times. It's this something you have to keep doing and keep renewing and keep practicing. But I don't think that means condoning bad behavior. It means keeping open the possibility that things might be other than they are, that we might be other than we are, that we can change and that others can change. I just read this great children's book with one of my favorite three-year-olds and her mom is Buddhist and so it's this very Buddhist book and in the book this little boy is playing with blocks and his grandpa says it's time for dinner and the boy's like no I'm playing with my blocks and the grandpa's like I cooked it's your job to come for dinner and the little boy throws a tantrum and the grandfather says why don't you go sit with your anger and the anger becomes this embodied thing and the little boy and the anger play together and scream together and dance together, and then the anger gets smaller and smaller and goes away. And the grandpa's like, yeah, sometimes you have to play with your anger and sit with your anger, and then it'll go away, like any friend. And I think that, yeah, maybe forgiveness is like that too, where we have to invite it in and play with it, and then there are other times where it's like not the friend that you want to hang out with right now, and you're like, nope, I want to hang out with my friend anger right now. Mm -hmm. And then also there are times where... You have a part in Awkward Tea Party, the three of you. Right. Forgiveness and anger in you. Yeah, I guess the possibility of forgiveness being out there somewhere is something that just helps us keep moving um, and not get stuck and allow ourselves to change. But I think it is a problem when we, you know, when we expect those who have been wronged to be quick to forgive. I mean, it, you know, the great stuckness in our country is the great wound of slavery and racism and racial violence and the long history of this in our country. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about how, how do we move past it? How do we engage it? How do we 
come to a place where we can acknowledge it. And I suppose forgiveness might be part of that, but that's not where to start. That's not where to start. It's not the place to start. And, you know, there are a lot of things that help us move past these stuck places. Forgiveness is just one of them. Learning, understanding, listening, empathizing. This is all such creative, imaginative work. My favorite Jewish holiday is Kol Nidre, which is Mm. the opening night of Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. And I love Kol Nidre. I mean, the music is beautiful, (laughs) which is why I really love it. But in part, you turn to a neighbor who you don't know who's sitting in the pew next to you and ask them for forgiveness. Ah. And part of that is just like the systemic things that we're all complicit in. So there's a part of Kol Nidre where you list all the sins and everybody has to list the same list of sins. And so it's jealousy and hatred and being pitying, all these things. Mm. And you you knock your chest when you do it with your finger. And the way that that had always been explained to me was a form of minor self-flagellation. Mm. And a Rabbi Getzel Davis, a rabbi here at Harvard, said a couple years ago that it's also a way of knocking and waking up your own heart. Oh, I love that. And I love the idea that you're, like, frustrated with yourself and you're saying, like, wake up. It's time to do some good work. And so, yeah, it's about being mad at yourself and forgiving yourself and asking for the forgiveness of others and, like, re-inspiring yourself to try to be good. Yeah, and practicing. I mean, that's religious rituals that ask us to ask forgiveness of each other are kind of safe ways to practice forgiving and seeing what it feels like and seeing what asking for forgiveness feels like and experimenting with the space that it might open and maybe reading a story about characters in relationship with each other that we are also in relationship with is also a good way of experimenting with the idea of forgiveness and maybe that's what you and Casper are inviting us into here. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Redfin. Let's say for some reason, You can't get back to Grimmauld Place, so you need to find a new home. If you're like me, you would go to Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations, so finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. If you see something you like, just book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put toward your next home. 
They even have a function where Trelawney will tell you whether or not she can see you in this house. Redfin. It's how Molly found the burrow. Download the Redfin app to get started. Well, let's listen. We have some beautiful voicemails from people. Great. So let's listen to those. Just some of the voicemails that people have left us are on very intense subjects. So I just want to offer a trigger warning to people. Um, If you listen with kids, this might be an episode to listen to on your own first and make sure it's appropriate. But I just want to give a fair warning that some of these are quite intense. Hi, Casper and Vanessa. This is Bree from Texas. I just listened to the forgiveness episode and had some thoughts about Trelawney and Dumbledore I thought I'd share. Looking forward in the novels, it becomes clear that Dumbledore keeps Trelawney around at Hogwarts as a teacher because she is a valuable resource in the fight against Voldemort, and it is risky for her to be outside of his protection, something she herself is completely unaware of. In doing so, Dumbledore sacrifices the quality of the children's education for the greater goal of defeating Voldemort. Dumbledore uses the same tactic with Snape, who is an abusive teacher but an essential figure in the Resistance. We see throughout the books many of these paternalistic decisions on Dumbledore's part, including the revelation in Book 7 that essentially Harry has been groomed to die at the proper moment. My question is, If his endgame hadn't worked, if Harry died before he could destroy all the Horcruxes and had not defeated Voldemort, would it be so easy for Harry, and even the reader, to forgive Dumbledore's lies and secrecy? Thanks for listening. Really enjoying the podcast. Well, I don't forgive Dumbledore. No. (laughs) I mean, I love that the books make him complicit in this original idea of wizard supremacy that he goes through with Grindelwald. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think that we're invited to not forgive him. He's a mastermind, but he is, to your point, Brie, like paternalistic and instrumentalizes Mm -hmm. others. Do we forgive Dumbledore? I mean, I think Bree's point is right that when yeah. things work out in the end, we tend to forgive more right. easily. I think, yeah, the person who would need to decide if he's going to forgive Dumbledore or not is Harry. For us as readers, I think we are in relationship with Dumbledore, but we critique those decisions. It's still possible to critique those decisions. Right. We ask victims to forgive but it's a jury of our peers who mm-hmm. judge, mm-hmm. right? If you're on a jury, you don't right. have to forgive the no, murderer. You have no. to decide whether or not they get punished. Right. Right. And then it's up to the victims or the survivors That's to right. decide to forgive. In fact, the jury should not be about the business of forgiveness. No, and nor should, in my opinion, the victims or survivors be in the business of deciding the punishment. Yeah, right. And I do think that just like apologies go really far with me, the fact that Dumbledore is willing to sacrifice himself in the end also goes far for me. He's willing to sacrifice other people, but he's someone who won't ask something of other people that he won't give himself. Right. This next voicemail is from Mel Bickett. Hi, Casper and Vanessa. It's Mel here from Australia. I really enjoy the show, and I just want to leave a quick message, which is a question about your topic of forgiveness. So, do you think that 
even though it's better to take your own time to forgive, do you think you should always find it in yourself to forgive someone? I was um, assaulted by somebody who, until shortly before that assault, I thought of as a friend. And while I knew our relationship was not on good terms, I did not expect a physical attack. And even though it's been nearly nine months now, I'm really struggling to find any forgiveness. I don't think our friendship could be renewed now. I think she hates me at this point, but I feel that holding on to this grudge that I have for her is poisoning me. As you guys said, holding a grudge is drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. And usually I can find forgiveness for people. I can justify it. I can understand where their head might have been and why they might have taken the actions they did. But in this case, I still do not understand. And I'm trying to find a way to forgive so I can move on for myself. So that's a really roundabout way of saying, do you think anything can be forgiven if you can just find the justification for it? Is there a way you think people can just move on or is it just a matter of time? I just have to wait until the hurt doesn't hurt so much. Mel, first and foremost, I just want to say that I'm so sorry that that happened to you and that you're still in pain about it, understandably. It just... It's just awful. It's just absolutely awful, and I'm so sorry. Do you have to forgive in order to move on? It sounds like something terrible happened to you, and I can certainly understand not wanting to carry that with you into your future. It's hard in some situations, I think, to forgive when our forgiveness is not being sought. If your friend came to you and ask for your forgiveness, that would be a different situation. But I think you survived this and you are longing to move ahead with your life beyond it. And you have your life ahead of you. And I think that can happen and will happen. Whether forgiveness will be a part of that, maybe forgiveness will just be a possibility that's out there potentially in the future, but not something that you can completely work out on your own right now. But that doesn't mean you can't get past this terrible thing. One last thing, Mel, that I hope I'm not projecting this onto you, but just you saying that you think your friend hates you just makes me curious also if the bit of forgiveness that can happen now is self-forgiveness. Because Regardless of anything you did, you did not deserve to be assaulted. And so I don't know if this is part of it, but potentially forgiving yourself for whatever it is that you feel theoretically could have brought this on, like you didn't you didn't deserve this. Sometimes the only forgiveness that we can do is self-forgiveness and be in relationship to ourselves. This next voicemail is from Elizabeth Sullivan. Hi, Vanessa and Casper. My name is Elizabeth, and I would like to talk about the theme of forgiveness from Talons and Tea Leaves. I was really interested in the part of your discussion where you talked about Hagrid choosing to forgive and to not give consequence to Draco Malfoy for disruptive behavior in the classroom and disregarding the rules that he's established when he gets injured by Buckbeak. 
I think as someone that works with middle schoolers who are right about the same age as a third year at Hogwarts would be, it's always something that I'm thinking about. Where is the line between disciplining students based on the established rules and holding them to certain expectations versus forgiving them for still developing the ability to understand their consequences? Um, The teenage brain is still developing at that age. They're still figuring out how to foresee what might happen and how to follow the consequences of their actions. That's something that doesn't develop fully until they're going to be in their twenties. I think that it's really interesting to see how every teacher is different in their discipline. Some are really strict. Some are a lot more forgiving. I also think that it was interesting that you brought up the point that Draco Malfoy suffers from affluenza. I work in a predominantly low-income minority school, so there are other traumas and there are other experiences that those students are bringing into school that affect their ability to make healthy decisions all the time and to understand fully the consequences of their actions. So that's also something that we take into account when disciplining students. That's why things like restorative justice have become so popular. My question for you is, where's the line that we as humans, that we societally, that we individually draw? What are those different exceptions that we look at when deciding to forgive someone? Is it gender? Is it age? Is it socioeconomic status? What is it that makes us more or less willing to forgive someone um, and look at them broadly as a human as opposed to um, someone that's broken a rule? Thanks again for listening to my voice note, and I love the podcast. Elizabeth, I'll answer with a very maybe like low stakes story, which is, as you all know, I live with students and like the most common thing that they do wrong is throw very loud parties. And there are sort of three reasons why I will break up a party. One is that it's my job. So as part of my responsibility, I just take that seriously. I've made a promise to the university that I will enforce that rule. But the real reasons that I do it are that these loud parties come at the cost of somebody else in our community who probably wants to sleep or study or whatever it is that they want to do. And this is a noise infringement in their home. And I see it as my responsibility to always be protecting the most vulnerable person in our house. And so that is the person who has to be up at 5 o'clock and this party is interfering with their sleep. And then the other thing that I always think about is that I want my students to learn how to be good neighbors. You know, in 10 years, they're going to be living in New York. And when they are rude to their neighbors, there are going to be real consequences. And if they talk back to adults and the adults are bosses or police officers, the stakes are going to get higher. And so I try to keep those two things in mind when I'm thinking about the discipline and when I'm thinking about sweeping certain things under the rug and being like, don't worry about it. You guys had good intentions and things just got out of hand. And what I say to them, because they're 18, which Stephanie, I don't know how you feel about this, but I tell them we reset every 24 hours and that you're 18, you're allowed to mess up. And tomorrow we start again. And you're going to have to deal with the discomfort of me being annoyed at you for the next 24 hours. I illustrate that just to show that even in like these incredibly simple situations of just like 18 year olds throwing a loud party, I feel like it's a really complicated algorithm and that I get worse and worse at it, the more complicated the situation is. I love the idea of resetting every 24 hours. I mean, that's a great example of 
keeping the space open and allowing people to try again, to start again, to try to be a better community member, try to... I mean, um, but there's both discipline and forgiveness in that. You don't have to choose one over the other. Right. And I I do the restarting tomorrow for selfish reasons, which is one, I don't want to hang on to the anger. But two, I don't want them to start to see themselves as like the mess up kid because then there's like no incentive for them right. to start behaving better. Whereas if I'm like, no, like starting tomorrow, you're not the kid who threw the party the right. third night of school. Right. You're just any other kid. I would like to think we're making space for them to, yeah, reinvent yeah, themselves even yeah, early on. Yeah, Elizabeth, you sound like you're a great teacher because you you have such a sense of the specificity of your students' lives that, you know, they come from homes where they may have experienced trauma, that they have brains that are still developing. You've got such a sense of their humanity. And I think, you know, in that case, discipline and forgiveness are not opposed to each other. You give your students the gift of discipline to help them grow those brains and and be shaped toward being compassionate, generous, spirited human beings. And, And through your discipline, you help them with that. And with your forgiveness, you help them with that. It seems to me that that those things are are not opposed, especially not in the way that you approach um, your work as a teacher. I hope that we always see people as humans and not just rule breakers or rule followers. It doesn't mean that students who make mistakes don't need to be disciplined, but it means that we keep, you know, each other's humanity in mind. And that opens space for all kinds of change to happen. This next voicemail is from Abby McGrath. Hi, Vanessa and Casper. This is Abby Thomas, and I'm from Loma Linda, California. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. It brings so much joy to my commutes to work. I just listened to um, the episode on forgiveness that just came out, and something that you guys almost touched on, but not quite that I think is, um, really goes hand in hand with forgiveness is the idea of remorse. I think it's, well, you talked about how it's sometimes difficult to forgive people. Um, and you talked about forgiving yourself. And I think that when we forgive ourselves versus just kind of justifying something we've done wrong as, oh, it really wasn't that bad is when we feel remorse. That's when we actually kind of bring ourselves through a process of, self-forgiveness and are able to grow from it and move on. And similarly, when we feel remorse, that's when we seek someone out if it's something we've done to someone else and ask for forgiveness or we apologize. Um, so I think remorse and forgiveness are really intertwined. Um, for example, in Harry Potter, it's always so easy for anyone really to forgive Neville because He's so cute, but he's so remorseful of everything that he does. He knows he isn't organized and he forgets things all the time and he feels a lot of remorse for it. So we are always sympathetic and um, have a lot of forgiveness for him. But someone like Draco, we never want to forgive because he just blatantly continues to bully people and seems to never feel bad about it. So I think there's something about remorse too that makes us feel like a gut feeling of whether or not we feel like we can get ourselves to the point of forgiving someone. So I was just wondering what you guys thought of the concept of remorse in the chapter today. 
Oh, that's really interesting. And it makes me realize we've been talking a lot about forgiving others, but we haven't talked so much about seeking forgiveness or being on the other side, needing forgiveness. We're talking about, you know, deciding whether we're going to forgive Petunia Dursley or whoever, but, um, but we all are operating on both sides of this practice, right? We both need to know how to forgive, but also we need to know how to ask for forgiveness and, and we need, all of us need to be forgiven. And I think paying attention to that, to the ways in which we need forgiveness probably will help us understand a lot better how to forgive and when to forgive and to understand better what's at stake in offering forgiveness. I mean, I think part of the reason we want remorse is because it's a promise to try to not repeat yeah. the pro- yeah. the offending yeah. incident. Yeah. And so it's not, I want you to feel bad. It's, I want you to know what you did wrong right. so that I have some assurance that you'll try not to do it again. Right. right. If Petunia Dursley were remorseful, it would be a lot easier to imagine forgiving her if she's sorry she hurt that little boy. Right. And if part of forgiveness is about having hope for the future, right. it makes sense that we want right. remorse because it's right. the person giving us evidence that they have that same hope that they won't repeat right. the same problem right. in the future. Yeah. And the other part is that I think if somebody's offering remorse, usually what comes with that is some context of like, just the other day I snapped at a friend and she was like, oh, that's not how I meant it. I understood how she meant the original comment. I then was like, I'm so sorry I snapped. I'm exhausted and that's not an excuse, right? And we both, it gave us both an opportunity to explain where we were coming from. And so part of what Mel was saying is so hard for her is that she can't even imagine the context of her former friend's actions. And I think that showing remorse in that process, you give context, Mm. which helps us to understand each other, which I think allows for more forgiveness. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Redfin. Let's say for some reason you can't get back to Grimmauld Place, so you need to find a new home. If you're like me, you would go to Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations, so finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. If you see something you like, just book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put toward your next home. They even have a function where Trelawney will tell you whether or not she can see you in this house. Redfin. It's how Molly found the burrow. Download the Redfin app to get started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This next voicemail is from friend of the podcast, Seth Day. Hi, Vanessa and Casper. This is Seth Day calling in from New York City. So I have spent my day binge listening to this month's episodes because I'm a little bit behind. So I was listening to the episode about forgiveness and it just, it really resonated with me more than I thought it would. So I am transgender and my family is actually super cool about everything, has been really great about my transition, like my parents, my grandparents, whatever. But I have this one aunt who is not so cool and not so understanding and, you know, has just in the past done very intentionally malicious things like call me by my wrong name and my, you know, my wrong pronouns and she's not cool with who I've chosen as a partner. So we'll just like ignore, like we're all in the same room and we'll just pretend like my partner isn't there. Just all kinds of not, not so great stuff and, you know, has sort of been very emotionally manipulative with my family and trying to get them against me and all these kinds of things. And so after a lot of debating and talking, I decided to cut her out of my life, which was very, a very hard decision, but it was what I felt like I needed to do for myself. So I wrote her this, this long, long letter. Oh my gosh. It was a novel um, about all of, you know, all of the reasons that I had made this decision. And, and uh, at the end of this letter, you know, I told her that I forgave her, but that that didn't mean that she needed to be a part of my life. And I'm, I don't know if this is a little narcissistic, but I feel like it's a privilege to know me and to be part of my life. And, you know, I think that we need that reminder sometimes that what's best for us might not always reflect that way on the other people in our lives or people might not understand it, but we still need to go with that gut feeling and take care of ourselves. Seth, I feel like you're really getting to the heart of what self-care is. And I think that true self-care often still comes at a cost. This doesn't feel selfish to me because it's a negotiation with your family and it's a negotiation with yourself. It's not like you cut out your aunt and are now celebrating and that it's this easy thing. It sounds like a calculated and really thoughtful decision that you tried to do with a lot of generosity and just think that it sounds like it was the right thing to do to cut her out of your life. I'm sorry your aunt is missing the opportunity to know you. I think I want to And with saying that there have been moments in my life when I have thought, oh, I will never be able to move on from this. I will never forgive you. And those are the moments around forgiveness that I regret the most. Mm -hmm. When I, at any given moment, commit to the idea of never forgiving. Because, yeah, I might not ever forgive, but I think I want to leave open the possibility that I could. Where I often feel I need forgiveness is in the realm of friendship. I have some friends who, no matter how out of touch I get, no matter how long I take 
to answer the email or the phone call. They don't let go of me. And I'm so grateful for that. And I know that that's forgiveness. I experience that as forgiveness <laughs> um, because I know I'm often the one who lets the thread of friendship drop. But that's a real sweetness in my life that there are people who will somehow always forgive that and keep stay in relationship with me. Yeah, I'm just feeling called. I really need to become a more reflective person because I've just realized the extent to which I often need to be prompted to be apologetic. And it's not that I'm not genuinely remorseful. It's that I don't know how my my words have landed on someone else. I don't know mm. what I've done wrong until I'm told. And I feel like I'm just missing out on all sorts of relationships because I need to be told. I think that's why forgiveness is such a crucial part of being human, um, because we're all in that place of needing to be forgiven and also needing to forgive in order to stay in relationship, in order to be able to reap the benefits of each other's presence and each other's humanity and each other's wisdom, like Seth was talking about. Um, I'm worth knowing, Seth says. I'm, I'm worth being kind to. And, you know, as complicated as it is and as hard a time as we all have talking about it, without the possibility of forgiveness, it's just so much harder to be fully human. So Bree, Mel, Elizabeth, Abby, and Seth, thank you so much for joining in this conversation with me and Stephanie. And Stephanie, thank you so much for solving forgiveness. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Next week, we'll be reading the chapter The Dementor's Kiss through the theme of justice. This episode was produced by Ariana Nettleman, Casper Turkile, and me, Vanessa Zoltan. We'd like to offer a special thank you this week, not just a boring general thank you, to Stephanie Paulsell. Join us in this conversation on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram. And please write us a review on iTunes. Casper goes through withdrawal when you don't. (laughs) Please join Ariana and I in Chicago on Thursday, August 10th at 7 p.m. at the Harold Washington Library for a community class. Stephanie, the only people we have left to thank are Charlie and Rebecca Ludley. Do you want to say hi to them? We are so grateful to Charlie and Rebecca Ludley, two of the best people we know. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Really? There's nothing weird about the apocalypse. But But people know I'm weird. I think it was funny weird and not like... Creepy Uh weird. (laughs) Not, oh, why do we like this podcast weird? (laughs) Oh, when Casper's gotten Vanessa gets weird weird. (laughs)